Asceticism is severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. What leads someone to that path? What internal things are occurring that cause any of us to seek, to look for something, to give things up in hopes of achieving something, whether that be a feeling, a sense of belonging, or any other thing we desire? Most of us have done this in one way or another. At least one of us, Georgia Watson, vulnerably speaks of it. Join Crystal Crawford and me, Marnie Richmond, in this episode of The Cult Conversation, The Path, Asceticism, and The Cult of Giving You Up. Welcome to The Cult Conversation Podcast. And I am Marty Richmond, and my, I was going to say my, my co-host, but I think partner in crime is closer. So my, yes. partner, <laughs> my partner in crime is Crystal. Partner in dismantling everything we thought was real and true is Crystal Crawford, yeah. And fellow heretic also, I can't that one. Yeah, so, and we have actually our very first guest on this podcast today, Georgia Watson. Hi, Georgia. So welcome, Georgia. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Very excited to have you here. And just a little Georgia story. I mean, Crystal and I have known Georgia for a few years. And Georgia, over the years, has said many awesome things that have stuck with me. And one of my favorites is she said one day, I don't require friends. I just require kind beings. And that has always that landed uh, with me. And I've just kept that one. So the reason that we invited Georgia onto the podcast today is over the years of knowing her, there've been a few times where just in passing, she said to me, well, I was in a cult and I never paused and really asked any questions about it, but it just kind of popped the other day. I remember Georgia saying that she was in a cult. And since this is what we're discussing and exploring, I thought it would be really fun to have you come and join us. And I would love to start in with little Georgia, who I can only imagine how cute and potent that was. <laughs> um, but so when you were young and growing up, were there any elements in your family of churches or cults or religion or any sort of spiritual things? Or was it, tell me about that for you. Well, both my mom and dad um, were really kind of individuals in the way that they saw things. So I wasn't really, we didn't really do much with churches. We didn't really have like a routine that we would do. Occasionally we'd visit like a Buddhist monastery on a weekend, or maybe we would go to church every once in a while, but I was definitely encouraged to have a whole lot of free thinking and really just to, I think their, their main um, target with raising me was to, to be able to have a sense of, um, I guess, individual individuality and then um being educated i think they also really wanted to make sure that i had really wonderful schools and things so i think that part had much more of an emphasis than religion so would you say how did that shape you was it has it always been pretty easy for you to be free thinker and have your own perspective on things or what was your experience with that well i grew up um on like on, on the beaches in Hawaii and around animals. And so when I was around those things, it was so easy to be myself. And I never really had a sense of fitting in with people or having uh, my own age. Like I didn't really 
get many people, but I did always know that I had so much more <laughs> than just people to connect with. So, but when I started, you know, in school and things, you're, you're led more and more and more to, to find your value in social interactions and where you fit in in groups. And so the closer I got to that and the more engulfed I was in, in high school and those kinds of things, I, I did start to have this sense of like, I didn't really know what my value was. Whereas before I didn't, didn't compare myself as yeah. much. Yeah, welcome to the people factor. Crystal, yeah. are you gonna? <laughs> no, I just yeah. like, okay, so it's, so how, I mean, I just appreciate that so much. Um, at what point then did, so did your search, did you start a search and what were you looking for? Yeah, thank you. Um, my, my dad passed away when I was 16 and he was such a supportive, sweet, nurturing, powerful, just this incredible person that I saw also as my friend, you know, which is a little challenging when you're a teenager too, because you're doing all the rebellious things. And so there were lots of different things going on, but losing somebody like that um, really had me questioning. So how do we make life worth living? So then here I am, you know, trying to manage social life that wasn't really working and then growing up. And um, I, so I started going to some different meditation groups and things, um, experimented with some, you know, things like marijuana or like, you know, alcohol, things that like, it was just this sense of what, where I was then wasn't satisfying. And I was admitting that to myself. So then that's where the search began of like, okay, well, how do I, how do I get out of this mess, which is like feeling so yucky all the time? Yeah. So what was next in that? Like, um, well, I, I, I heard from, um, my uncle about a group that he had been a part of for years and years. And it, I always had an aunt and uncle that were doing this. We always called it the path. I didn't really know what it was. It was just, that was something they did. They were sometimes in India. They were sometimes in Taiwan. They were sometimes in Korea. And I knew that there was something called the master and that they had a guru and that that was something that they had devoted maybe 20 or so years of their life leading up to, and that they were kind of in and out of it at that time in their life. They weren't as um full into it as as before and and i had this beautiful conversation with my uncle where it was like the clouds parted and i it was like being high just sitting there talking about like things that were beyond what we're supposed to talk about and maybe it's kind of naughty to discuss things that are like religious but not tied to some kind of a religion or some kind of um uh, like a religious ecstasy it almost had this like body experience too and i was like i want that i want to be i want to know myself and it one part one of the names of it was like know thyself as soul I'm like i want to know what's so true about me because what's true about all this other stuff. I couldn't find me in other people and I couldn't find me in groups and I couldn't find happiness. <laughs> um, so that like really hooked me right away. I was like, oh, I wanna, I wanna know what all this is. So, so where, you go. I was gonna say, yeah. So, so where from there was that then kind of the beginning of actually becoming the part of the cult and then what was your experience? How long were you there? And what was that like for you? 
Yeah, so I um, needed to go through an initiation process. So that that person that my aunt and uncle had as their guru for so many years, he had passed away. And so he had named a, uh, a person that would come next as the guru. So they actually didn't even know this person as well, but he was taken as um, an authority as, you know, transferring of, of power, if you will. And um, so there's an initi initiation process I needed to go through of about six or more months of um, cleansing myself of, of negativity, like no meat, no eggs. Um, uh, I didn't have to meditate yet because I hadn't received that process of learning the, the meditation, but it was basically preparing myself and my body to be cleaner so that I could receive the information on how I could then continue to clean clean myself, clean my soul up so that I could become as pure as I wanted to be. So when you were doing all of that, what was your internal? Was it, this is awesome. This is cool. I like doing this. I'm, I'm excited about where it's taking me. Or was there a little bit of a, I don't like this, or I'm not so sure about this. What was your internal process? Um, I was so excited to know the mysteries of the beyond that I was willing to give up little things. Like it doesn't seem like a big deal, like to not have eggs or meat. Um, and so I could really put it in that category of, I don't need to eat that piece of cake or this ice cream has egg like yolk in it. So I'll just get a different ice cream. What does that cost me? I'll just, you know, try this other thing instead. So there was a, a process of um, making my choices based on um, instead of my own, like referencing what my own desires were more referencing what would support what I thought was going to actually deliver this consciousness to me. Was there an element of following something you knew was taking you somewhere or something else? Um, I think, I think that's what, what I was doing to the best of my ability and kind of what we're all doing. It's like, we recognize one part but the other part, it's like, why is there other stuff attached? And now that I've researched these kinds of things more, I recognize that there are things like, like just looking at this concept of having a truth with a lie attached, where you recognize there's something that has this open kind of expansive, true, positive, warm base to it, but then there's something else attached to it. And if you don't stop to go, well, what part of this works for me and what part of it doesn't, then you end up embracing a whole thing Thing that actually doesn't match what what truly works for me so then I kind of convinced myself that the whole package was was the important thing instead of oh here's a gem here's a possibility yeah so we're you know it in talking about and having a conversation about what we're calling a cult what is it that you would say you know make how does that become a cult in your world? You know, what do you know about that versus another organization where you're saying, well, that's not a cult? Like, can you talk a little bit more about what you know in regards to that? Yeah, I I would say if if there's an element of, well, there are a couple things. Um, Self-sacrifice is a huge one where you, where there's something that's true for me that I'm giving up so that I can get something else that that's one of those pieces that I started to recognize um, that that I would differentiate as a cult versus not. And then another is, am I using a judgment system that's based on something external 
that I'm finding my personal value in if I complete or am successful or work towards that. It's almost like someone else's version of, of, of perfect perfection, a guideline rules. If I'm following my own intuition and what I know, even if I change that all the time, even if I don't always like what that creates, if I'm actually going towards what what's actually true for me, um, that that part wouldn't be a cult. So it's like that external judgment system. Am I valuing my life and basing my decisions on something that um, that other people would identify as doing it rightly? And how did you get there to what you just beautifully said from being in the cult and really being about it to what you just said? Was there specific events that occurred? Yeah. What yeah, was there- sort of the awakening? Yeah, there were definitely some specific events. Um, Most of them I had no idea were coming. For example, I ended up taking um, an access consciousness class. I wasn't planning on it, but my uh, my first access consciousness class I took was called um, Access Bars. And during that class, I was um, very nervous. Um, I had taken at this point, I'd been doing this religious path that I'd been speaking of um, for about five years. I was meditating three hours a day. I had already taken a vow of chastity, hadn't had alcohol in that whole time, even though it was my early twenties and you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But I, I arrived to this, um, this bars class having already taken a vow of no healing touch, no spiritual healing of any t- kind, no hands-on healing. Yeah. This was literally like against my religion to be here. And then I was like, that was one of those moments. I'm like, I'm not really sure why I'm here, but I'm, I am. And so I was the entire time receiving um, this beautiful process called the access bars. I was um, rehearsing my mantra from that religion the whole time to protect me. Cause what I wanted to do was get to the personal growth um, tools that I knew access consciousness had. And so I was ready to become more fulfilled and more me in any way possible. And I was doing that through this meditation until I found out that there were actually tools that um, could facilitate that more. Um, So through the process of being in that first class, and then I took another class the next week, I started walking around and it It was almost like physically I was walking on everything being glass. Everything started becoming transparent and everything that I had built my life on. It was like every single step I didn't know if I was going to fall through or whether there was something that was going to hold me because everything that I had believed so vehemently, so certainly, so adamantly and with so much like love about it, I found out those things weren't true. And it was, it was, it was horrifying, but exciting and many things at the same time. Yeah. Really well said. Do you remember another one of those kind of key moments where the, it cropped? Yes. Um, I, oh gosh, I started. So another one is, um, I started really actually researching cults. Like it became a fascination of mine, partially because I do like my parents, like I said, raised me to be, you know, as intelligent as possible, you know, to like, let's, you know, get you educated and everything. My mom's a psychologist. So she talked me through all sorts of things growing up that seemed um, confusing to me. But then when I found myself in, in the midst of something where I had given up my personal beliefs for something else, I wanted to actually study what did I, where did I make myself susceptible to being, um 
to living out someone else's version of who they think I should be instead of who I would like to become and who I am. And so I started watching tons of series on cults. Um, I've read um, this incredible book by Eric Hoffer called The True Believer, which is about um, mass movements. And it's not specifically about cults, but a mass movement has many of those same aspects along with it, where um, where it's like requires that self-sacrifice and giving, giving you up to um, to have this promise of a greater future that never really gets delivered. So um, reading that book was a huge, huge part of my journey as well. Yeah. So how did you move away from the cult and what was that like for you with regards to people that I'm sure were your friends that you had close connections to and all of that? I did. I did. And, 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 oh my goodness. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole other part, but it's, it's, it wasn't easy to make that jump because all, like all the people that I loved the most and um, felt the most supported by um, were, were all doing that same path and that same meditation. And um, I, there was just something that I, that was undeniable after, after taking a few classes of access and starting to actually see the whole point of access consciousness, as you both know, but you know, maybe some others don't is, is to empower people to know that they know and to know what they know. And so when I started actually applying some of the tools and some of the questions, instead of referencing the dogma and the um, practices that I had been studying and mostly surrounding myself with, um, I was starting to look at, at like more inwardly what I, what I knew. And that part, once I once I started going towards that, it had such a lightness compared to going towards the things that I was supposed to be believing. Like we had this spiritual journal where every day, you know, we were supposed to mark down how many thoughts, words, and deeds we had of violence, how many thoughts, words, and deeds we had of um, of um, and violence. You know, that like have have a piece of bacon that's violent. You know, that's that's the same tick mark as you know, whatever <laughs> it's, it's all, it's all yeah. you know, categorized and things yeah. So it's like there. And then, yeah, lust, for example, that's a whole spiritual thief as well in that way of thinking. So it's like the, the more we could renounce our bodies and, and let go of, of those things that we get tempted by the closer we get to being spiritual and whole and conscious. And when I started also realizing that consciousness like accesses version of consciousness and their definition is that consciousness includes everything and judges nothing. I realized I didn't have to give anything up to have what I was looking for. What, what, what is available and what is now is actually this incredible gift. Um, so that was, a, that was part of what showed up for me. It's huge. And I'm, as you're talking, one of the things I'm realizing is that judgment is actually one of the greatest forms of violence. Um, yes. And it's scientifically proven even, you know, in different little experiments and with quantum physics and uh, yeah, that's all. That's just the whole thought. It was like, and I remember when I first learned that it struck me so dynamically that I was like, how do I apply this to my life? And for me, that was when access consciousness drifted into my world. And I took my first classes. I was like, oh my God, this is quantum physics applied this is actually how we can you know move beyond judgment which is the greatest violence that we're doing to ourselves constantly yeah 
that's incredible. And that's what leaves us open to um, making ourselves victims to things like that is anything that we've decided is like judgeable or wrong about ourselves. If someone else goes along, hey, I've got the answer for that. You don't have to worry about that deficiency in who you are. Then that's where we actually make ourselves susceptible to that kind of thing. So the more we can not judge ourselves, the more we can actually see that the beauty of how we are right now is like, is incredible. (laughs) Then, then, um, then we don't have so much of this, like this hole we need to fill with these, these empty promises. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see the, the time that you spent there? How do you see now looking back the time that you spent there from your point of view and like as, as part of your journey, do you see the gifts in it? Is it something else? Like, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, yeah. I I learned how much willpower I have. You know, it's a really austere path. It's a um, it was one of asceticism. So it's like renounce. Like, how much can you give up, and how much can you let go of, and not be um, subject to, so that you can achieve what you're really looking to achieve. So applying that to like business or different areas in my life, like I actually got to discover through those years of my life how power my like how powerful my will is when I set my mind to something like I will do that um and um to know that strength I think is really helpful you know like when people talk about millennials and things it's like technically I'm in that that age group but I I know that I don't really um (laughs) I don't have to subscribe to to all the things that apply to being a millennial knowing knowing what I what I'm capable of um I also really had some really beautiful experiences of um, quiet time and and sitting there with my my thoughts or sometimes it was like more than just my thoughts that were there and um, I've had beautiful experiences since then too that weren't contingent on having my eyes closed weren't contingent on being by myself weren't contingent on what I'd given up that day or what I thought or hadn't thought so um, it did let me know um, that there was much more to explore then and it was okay to have um, desires to experience things that were different than what other people were interested in. I knew for sure that I was different than others when I was spending, you know, those five years doing that. And um, now I just am instead of focusing on different someone else's way, I'm I'm still in this process of discovering what's different my way. And ongoing exploration. Exactly. Yeah. Is there, so I, go ahead, Crystal. All right. So I'm curious about bars was the first thing that you found with access consciousness. And then you talked about the next taking another class. What did you discover within access consciousness for you personally? And what is it to you today? What is access consciousness to Georgia? Yeah, well, I discovered in some of those first classes how how sort of like blasphemous and not significant Gary Douglas was. He's the founder of Access Consciousness and the second class I ever took or my second or third was with him. And he, I I had heard people tiptoe around speech for so many years to make sure that things came out right or they weren't misunderstood or it was the highest version of what could be said. And when he just like let things out that were his perspective, it was like, I, it was like I had never really heard anybody just not censor themselves. 
And I desired so deeply to not have to censor myself after five years of like, it was almost like being inside of an agate tumbler or something where I'd, sh- I'd tried to shine myself up compared like with all these different rocks and judgments rubbing up against me to try to make my most polished version of myself. And when I saw someone not being polished while still presenting all these amazing tools that I applied to my life, it was like, I don't have to go towards an image of something anymore. And, and so a lot relaxed within my body, a lot relaxed within my being. Um, I met my partner who I'm still with to this day at that very class. Um, and, and I just ended up finding these different helpful tidbits that no one saw me using them. It was me just in my room being like, I would try them out and then things would be more wonderful and I would feel more like myself. And so for that, access uh, consciousness has been this incredible gift of, of what I was setting out to before is like meeting myself, (laughs) finding out like who I am, like, hello, Georgia, like, what are you? Nice to know you. But like, actually like really, really getting to discover who I am and like, like who I am instead of um, instead of having to do all this extra work just to be able to like who I am. Was there ever a time where you went into the judgment of you for choosing the cult in the first place? Or what was that for you? Um, Or was it just a transition of that drew me in? I took what I took from it and here I am now or something else. Yeah, I I'm really I'm really glad they didn't make it hard for me to leave at all. I think there's just one conversation where they're like, "Uh, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you know, you've been like I was asked to be on the board of part of it right before that and just in the in the local area and it was it was a it was a surprise to people. I think that we're we're still, you know, doing that meditation. So they did check in with me, but they let me like they there wasn't this sense of like you have to stay or any kind of coercion. But the part that I would say, it's like when somebody sets up an ideology or belief that you're supposed to subscribe to, just because somebody like, like physically lets you go, there is still that mental, like psychological, emotional programming that that I chose to be a part of and make real for me during that time. So some of those things are still lasting and occasionally will come up. So the only part that I do regret is like, like, it's not really a regret. It's just the part that I notice and have a little bit of sadness towards is like the sweet, like, like the sweet me trying to do the best I can, like so convinced that I was messed up. So convinced that I needed to be made more whole through the, through someone else's program. I just go, Oh no, like you're, I, I wish you didn't feel like you had to do that at that time. So when I come across those or unveil, things that are still kind of there somewhere in my world now, like, you know, no alcohol was a part of that for years. So I can't say that I have total ease every time I have a glass of wine. I love the sensation of alcohol and I love having a glass of wine and I love the silliness and the, you know, the social parts of that. Um, But there's still somewhere in my world that, that, you know, it's that wine is bad. And um, that's my own critical weight that I have put on that based on something that I agreed to during that time that I didn't have before that group, for example. So the best that I can do at this point is just to 
instead of being critical of that and like adding more and more layers onto that like inception of of judgment is just go oh, okay that's you know that's okay that that doesn't seem super easy right now it's totally okay for you to have a glass of wine totally okay not that kind of thing it is interesting because those things that we do subscribe to as you said that i know i can speak of that in my own world where there's just the little ten, tinges they just kind of hang around and and it's sort of this this thing you fall back into and then you wait and you go wait 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 i actually have a choice and yeah. it does it takes which is what is really wonderful about one of the access consciousness tools is the 10 seconds of choice which is every 10 seconds i get to make a new choice and living from there you don't have to judge it and when you notice you are or that you're pinging back you just go oh that's what i'm doing and now i can choose something else yeah amazing and i just want to underscore what you said to my question about looking back at you with a kindness and a tenderness for the person that was so looking for what you were looking for and i want to just underscore that because if anybody's listening to this and you've done cult and you look back and you judge you i invite you to choose the space that georgia is being with that towards you as well yeah. Is there anything else that we haven't asked you that you would want people just hearing this for the first time to know? Well, I guess that, um, you know, part of the hook that I found that I was willing to give myself up for was this idea that these worldly things aren't worth it. And so that there's something like beyond that's more important. And the the weird the weird part about believing that is it self actualizing like taking away things like physical pleasure like no you know vow of chastity or like being able to have the foods that you want to eat or the or have wine or you know whatever it is it's like sometimes the things that we start believing like will will create that as being true and so I did create create that. A place where my life wasn't um, wasn't beautiful because I was taking away the things and the abundance that that is available to to indulge in. And I, I think now I would I would say like, what if what if we could indulge in the things that we stop ourselves go to stop ourselves from and actually find out what that is? Like, I, I think part of what what why I chose this particular path was I didn't want to know what would happen if 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 it was me without rules. Like I thought something terrible would happen or I would mess things up or I would just be out of control or I wasn't even sure. But to actually take those um those shackles off or those chains off and actually find out what that was, I was so surprised to find out what a me is what I would do with absolutely no rules and what kinds of things I would like to feel and what what sensations are amazing and and to be able to have those without seeing them as wrong it's like life has such more um, richness and I can also have this amazing connection with people that I haven't before because I used to see people through how are you supposed to be how am I supposed to be and now I just um, I perceive people as doing the best that, that we each can with what we have available and finding beautiful moments and finding joy and creating things 
Um, and, and like the two of you putting this together, it's like, it takes this incredible bravery to choose sometimes to wake up in the morning, sometimes to create a, a, a new project, like what you both are doing. And this bravery that we are is that beauty that I was looking for back then that I thought was something we had to reach for, but it's actually just what we're doing each, each day. Thank you. And I would add to that and just say it's, it's who you are. It's like what we are. I mean, I look at everything you said and I'm like the beauty that is interlaced with all the things you've chosen is magnificent. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. And circling back to the quote of yours that I started off with of just requiring kind beings you are one of the kindest beings I have ever known. And I'm so grateful for your um, vulnerability with this conversation, saying things that may not always be easy to say and the kindness that you have infused into every single word and have really shown us today. It's um, Crystal and I are having a melting day. <laughs> this is like, we've just been doing things and recording things in this but thank you truly truly yeah. thank you thank you yeah that that melting is is such a beautiful thing so i'm 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 glad that we get to play with that together <laughs> Me too. Me too. and for those of you guys listening if you want to find georgia we'll make sure that her contact information is in the show notes and um please keep going keep choosing keep looking because you look and you'll find. Thanks, Georgia. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yes, and thank you, Georgia. Thank you both so much. Thanks, everybody.